With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anybody tell you that I miss practice? I made my mistakes. If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. And y'all hear it, then that's that. Don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West? Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. There's no words there. Well, I'm not a crook. What does that mean, to play us out? I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. What is... I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Hey everybody, uh, this is another episode of uh, Same Old Clippers with Lewis Keene. Uh, Clippers had two losses over the past uh, week, so another double episode, classic double episode. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm starting to notice a trend here. When the Clippers lose, they often lose again. It is interesting because they go on like these long winning streaks and then lose in pairs. Uh, it's a very, very. It's been a very weird season. I think in some ways, it's been kind of what you'd expect from a team dealing with like a lot of injuries and a lot of major roster turnover. But the way they've won and looked completely dominant and then looked really bad for kind of considerable stretches. Uh, it's also just kind of weird. I don't know. Um, let's dive in. What did you think of, of their losses to the, uh, the Thunder and the Rockets? The loss to the Rockets, I thought was pretty it, – it remind honestly, okay, this is going to sound wild, but it's, it reminded me of when they blew the lead to the Thunder in Game 5 of the Western Conference semifinals way back. Okay. At the first 24 minutes of that game were the best – it was the best half the Clippers have played all season, in my opinion. Their defense on Harden was really – like, they held them to one of six shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense was well, was pinging around the perimeter. Um, but the – then they went, they went into halftime up 15. The yeah. second half – that all went away really quickly, but there was something there in the first half that was reminiscent of a preview of what, <laughs> of what it might be with this team mm-hmm. when they're really locked in against good competition. They've had good games. They've had good comebacks against good teams. Like they've, they've beaten the Rockets before, yeah. but in terms of like overall impressiveness of like, Whoa, this team has like that gear that, first half um, was to me as big of a takeaway from that game as what happened in the second half. Um, what, what did you think about the game? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I actually only watched the first half live and then I went to sleep uh, as is a lot of my usual standard with West coast and even mountain time games. Cause it's just too late when I've worked the next day. Um, I think that they won. Yeah, I went to sleep. I was like, oh, they look fantastic. Like, I'm happy. I I can go to sleep. This is a lot of fun. And then I wake up the next morning and Twitter is ablaze. Um, 
you know, having rewatched it, I'm, it's really weird because I'm usually a big Clipper pessimist, you know, on, on our other show, Lob the Jam the Pod, I've been nicknamed Eeyore by some people because I'm always down, but I cannot get it in me to be worked up about these games. Like they're 22 and 10, um, you know, they've dealt with so many injuries, like actually key players. They had a ton of roster turnover and like the first half of the Rockets means way more to me than the second half. Like their ability to lock in for an entire half against a really good team and show that level of play and that level of dominance on both ends is way more important to me than like them being able to hold a lead in a game in like mid-December. And you can say that the other way, like, oh, like they look great, but it's also still mid-December. But I mean, I, I just think, you know, the regular season is long. There are going to be disappointments, but their ability to kind of lock in and reach that level is important because if you don't see that at all, you're not going to see it later on in the season when the games actually matter. So the fact that they can hit those heights is, is really important to me. And they look great in that first half. I mean, the second half, particularly the third quarter, yeah, and the wheels completely came off. Um, but I'm, not, I'm just not that worried about it right now. I mean, do I think it's good that they keep blowing these like, pretty significant leads? Um, no. But do I think it's something that I'm really fretting about right now in, like, late December? It's not. Um, the fact that they've had double-digit leads and, like, I forget, uh, Farbod posted about this on Twitter. It was, I think, maybe, like, their last nine or ten games they've had double-digit leads at some point. They're playing well for the most part. I mean, they have these really bad stretches, uh, like they had against the Rockets, but their ability to hit that high level – pretty consistently is is impressive to me and I think that's important and more relevant yeah I I agree with you that it's not necessarily cause for concern you know in capital C capital F capital C but um like (laughs) at the same time I don't want to be that fan or like that analyst or writer who looks at every game with the lens of, but should I panic or not? Or, you know, like, should I, you know, it, does this mean that they're not going to win the NBA finals? Which is how many people who watch the game are trained to think. You know, the regular season is 82 games. Uh, the playoffs is never that many games. It's the majority <laughs> of our viewing experience. Like, yeah. a game can be shitty and you know, make us disappointed or upset um, and, you know, point out things that went wrong without it having to, you know, mean something um, for, for the season, for the, for the team's like broader ambitions. Um, And like the thing about the Rockets game, the thing about the Thunder game, that they had in common is now the team is like blown double digit leads, you know, that in really kind of ugly ways, you know, with the Rockets, they gave away the whole game in the third quarter pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then the team lost its, you know, and Lou Williams got ejected, mm-hmm. uh, which will give him the benefit of the doubt for. Um, and then in the Thunder game, it was just kind of like a, I to me it looked more like the team was trying to just coast towards the win and it just that doesn't that didn't work. Yeah. Um 
And, you know, they were playing against a team that was pretty motivated. That whole team uh, has heard a lot about the Clippers and how exciting they are now. <laughs> and that whole the, – the current Clippers would not exist without the guys who are on the Thunder now. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, one thing that has become a little bit of a theme early on this year is – or maybe a major theme is a kind of complacency around mm-hmm. how much this tracks towards the postseason. Well, you know, we were, there's injuries, so we lost the game. Or like, um, or yeah, or Kawhi was sitting, you know, against the Thunder. So, well, it's not as bad of a loss. Or, um, you know, we had a, even what I said before. We, they had a great first half and blowing the lead in the second half. You know, it is what it is. But you know, are you sensing this at all with the team, where the stakes for the the regular season just aren't there? I know yeah. this this came up. This came up with the and I don't know how much of a habit that is. You know, I, I don't want to like stress because it's just like not my not my style. But <laughs> you know, the the Clippers really didn't want the Rockets game as much as the Rockets did. And they didn't want the Bucks game as much as the Bucks did. And they didn't want um, – and it sounds like they don't really, quote-unquote, want the Lakers game as much as Lakers do. And we'll yeah. talk more about that later. But, you know, this came up on the, on the uh, Brian Windhorst podcast where they were previewing the game where all the Lakers have put so much into this Clipper game and the Clippers are just like, oh, it's great to play on Christmas. It's an honor. <laughs> like, I actually have a funny story about this. Kawhi. So you know who you know Rakuten? Yeah. You know who Rakuten is? It's the uh, they're the Chinese. They're media company. Are they media or? Yeah. So like, so people don't really understand. So I I don't know, right? So I asked yeah. some of the guys who were there with Rakuten um, press passes, and they um, or or credentials and they um they there were three of them it's a japanese company and they are the sponsor of the warriors jerseys mm-hmm. and they, they basically described to me as as capital one where okay it's, it's basically a credit card company without being a bank um, okay. and then they said they also have streaming rights to the NBA in Japan. Okay. So they, they just, they're a conglomerate that does more than one thing, but basically yeah. the, the con card is, is as a credit card company. So because they're showing the game, they wanted the Rakuten um, reporters uh, to ask the players about what, how much, you know, the Christmas day game matters to them. So on Tuesday they played the Clippers played the Suns, and I'm there in the in the conference room after the game waiting for them to talk to Kawhi and Paul George, and this guy from Rakuten asks, um, you know, how much does uh, how much are you thinking about the, the game against the Lakers on Christmas? It's a big game, you know, and Kawhi's like. I'm not thinking about that at all because we have two games in between now and then. And then they asked, 
they asked Paul George, and Paul George is like, the Christmas Day game, you know, after the playoffs and the All-Star game, you know, it's really Christmas is like the big thing mm-hmm. that like you look forward to. And he gave this really nice answer and uh, to the exact same question. So fast forward to Thursday, they're playing the Rockets. And again, after, again this time uh, we're, we're waiting. Kawhi comes out, asks him a few questions, and the racket end person says, how much are you thinking about the uh, – <laughs> how much are you thinking about the Christmas Day game uh, against the Lakers? And, and the guy – and Kawhi goes – you already you asked me that question the other day. I, I'm still not thinking about that because we have one more game before then. So, I, like, you you asked already, and it was wow. like, oh damn, Kawhi actually is like paying attention to like who's asking these questions and like, uh, huh. and it was kind of funny. So I went up to the racket guy afterwards. Was like, why did you why did you ask him that question again? What do you, what do you, what answer do you think he was gonna get? And he's like, Rakuten is telling me to ask him this question. If the, I don't ask him this question, someone else will. And interesting, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's the every channel has like a package before the game yeah. where they like, get the players to talk about. Oh, this game means so much, or whatever, to hype it up. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. I'm not. You can try to get me after the next game, but. That's but yeah, so that was a digression. But so tell me, like, how, how annoying is this to you? The uh, the regular season, like, the, or I guess the playoff mindset. Uh it's a little bit just because I think last year we got a little bit spoiled with a team that took every game super super seriously. And the simple yeah. fact is, most NBA teams do not operate like that. Like most NBA teams whether because it's from complacency or because of like the playoff mindset or, or whatever, just don't focus like that every game. And last year, I mean, I think you could count on one hand the number of times the Clippers came into a game and were just unprepared or just didn't look like they were up for it that night. Like there yeah. were games where they were outplayed or just weren't playing well, but it was really rare to see them just not show up for a game. Um, or not even a game, like more than like a six-minute period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that spoiled Clippers fans. It was only one year. And this is something that used to happen in Lob City, where the Lob City teams were so good that they would frequently just annihilate opposing teams. But there were plenty of nights where they did not show up either, where, you know, Chris Paul would be like a little banged up. I mean, Chris Paul is super competitive. But, like, he'd be a little banged up, so he might not have been going 100%. And DJ and, and Blake had been, you know, out partying the night before or, or what, whatever, what, what have you. And, like, they would loaf around and they'd lose to, like, an awful Phoenix Suns team or, like, uh, the Kings or whatever. Like, this is pretty common. I still don't like it, though, because, as you said, like, I think in a weird way the NBA overemphasizes the postseason. Like, most NBA basketball is the regular season. Like, just over 50% of NBA teams make the playoffs, which means, you know, under 50% don't. And even for the teams that do, like almost all of their games are going to be in the regular season. Regular season is the bulk of NBA basketball. Yet, like, there's this weird thing that, like, my whole winter. 
It is the my it is my entire winter is watching NBA. Right. And it's like there's this weird thing that like the regular season doesn't matter, but it's like the regular season is almost the entirety of NBA basketball. Like if you're not if you don't like the NBA, if you don't like the regular season and don't care about it, like there's no point in following the NBA, you know. So, I mean, I think the idea that, like, yeah, like, the playoffs are really what matter, like, I can see it from a player's standpoint. But from a fan watching the game standpoint, I think it's frustrating because, you know, these are the games that we're watching that, you know, we're spending our time with. And it's the bulk of, the, of our viewing experience. And if the players are, are not taking it all that seriously, it means we're not watching, like, the ideal optimized product. Um, which again, like I understand it from their perspective, you know, you don't want to go a hundred percent hard on like a random regular season game. But I mean, I think it is, you know, a frustrating mindset to have. And it was why last season's team was so awesome to watch on a night in night out basis. Yeah. I think it's a good contrast with last season's team for sure. And that is probably contributing because I was saying it's like I don't think we blew very many 15, 16 point leads last year, but then I'm also thinking we, we didn't have them every game. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I I think one of the cool things about getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on your team is like this makes the regular season really fun. <laughs> like this makes you know I'm watching 82 games. I'm going to be watching this team for 200 hours over the course of the winter. Uh, you know, having it be a team that like wins a lot and is like doing spectacular things on the court a lot like improves my life (laughs) and like like it just it makes me you know it makes a Wednesday night where I don't have you know anything to do and I'm approaching my 30s you know I'm not drinking on a Wednesday night you know I'm I'm basically watching NBA and so when when your team is is fun then that brightens up the winter a little bit uh and then when they kind of cave against worse teams because, you know, it's not worth the effort, you know, compared to how, how much they'll need that same energy in late April. It's just like, man, this, this is time of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like that weird fan dichotomy where like, you know, we're paying to watch, like we can't, you can't reasonably expect stuff from players, you know, beyond like a very base level of like effort and professionalism. But at the same time, like it is our time, it is our money. And like, you know, we want to be entertained. And I mean, I think on a very base level, like I don't think this team has been as fun to watch as last year's, which is pretty crazy. Like last year was, you know, like this plucky underdog and like America loves the underdogs. But, like, last year's team was also just fun as shit to watch, especially, um, you know, once they let go of, like, Avery Bradley and Martin Gortat and, you know, the second half of the team. But even the first half, like, watching Shea develop, um, you know, watching the Lou Trez um, pick and roll really come into shape last year, all that kind of stuff was great. And this year there really hasn't been a lot. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen, again, some improvement from Trez. You know, you've had um, – you know, some. Zubats is the main, is the most enjoyable thing to watch about the team this year. Yeah, I would agree. Zubats and then the nights when Paul George looks unstoppable are basically the nights when it's fun. And a lot of nights, like, they're just not that entertaining to watch. Like, even when they play well 
and win, it's not necessarily exciting or fun basketball um, because I think a lot of the passion isn't there. Um, you know, I don't think – it's not a team that I think is, you know, not playing hard, but I do think it's a team that's not necessarily putting forth 100% effort and, like, really going that extra mile um, every single game, which is basically what we got last year. Um, and yeah, like I think it's in some ways it has been disappointing, not in terms of how good they are or how good they will be, or that I think somehow they're not championship contenders, which I've somehow seen from people on Twitter. Um, like that stuff is ridiculous to me, but just that on a night to night basis, like I don't think they've been like that enjoyable to watch, which is disappointing. Like they should be. Um, and they really haven't been. I mean, I think hopefully healthy. They will be like, I really like watching Landry Shamit play because I do like those off-ball guys watching them run around. Um, and he's been injured a lot of the year. Um, you know, Jermichael Green is a lot of fun to, to watch. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, he's not a guy you'd think of being like, oh, like, yeah, Jermichael Green is playing. Like, that'll get eyeballs. But Jermichael Green is a lot of fun to play, to watch play. Yeah. Um, he doesn't produce highlights necessarily, but he's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Derek Walton is really fun to watch. Um, you know, again, kind of that last year mentality of not necessarily like a ton of talent, but super smart and plays like insanely hard on a play-by-play basis. Um, so I hope like with the, the healthy updated roster, you know, they'll, they'll be a bit more fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is disappointing. Like, I think, you know, asking teams to go 100% every single game is something that NBA teams just don't do very much. Um, but it's something that, like, you know, would be nice to have. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Thunder game is a perfect example of, like, they pretty much had that game in the mid-second quarter. Like, if they just played like they had the first quarter and a half, they would have won. Um, maybe not by like a ton, but they would have won. But instead, they just kind of took their foot off the pedal. The Thunder got back into the game. And then when the Clippers wanted to win, like they just couldn't make the shots and like they were turning the ball over and they'd lost all their rhythm. And then they lost. And like the Thunder, the score was pretty close, but the Thunder had that game from like the mid fourth quarter on. Like they were going to win that game. Um, And like, you know, that's what happens when you take your foot off the pedal. Sometimes you can't refine it. Uh, and that's basically what happened. Like, I think the fourth quarter they were trying, but they just didn't have it the same way they had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that, was, that was definitely a disappointing loss as well. More disappointing than the Rockets game, I think. One thing that people have been talking about after the game, especially with the Thunder, is Lou Williams' defense. And I wrote a blog post about this uh, for my newsletter, about Lou Williams blocking people on social media, but uh, his defense in on the actual court uh, has always left something to be desired. If yeah. defense is something that you desire about generally, but uh, <laughs> which I can't necessarily say it is for everyone. Um, but uh, here's here's my take on this. Because mm-hmm. someone ran by me, I, I'll say it was Lucas ran by a Lou for Drew holiday trade package. Not as like a rumor or anything like that, but just like playing with the trade machine. Yeah. And obviously it would be a substantial upgrade 
defensively. Um, but I'm thinking about it, and it's like, well, first of all, they would never, the Clippers would never do that because I don't think they're trading Luke Period because he's like the Jay Z of the team. You can't you can't trade the team's like whole brand. Um, I think he's this. I think he's the strongest avatar of the Clipper brand um, mm-hmm. at this point. But to me, uh, I actually think that would be a downgrade offensively. And especially when you consider, like, how much Lou is able to get out of Montrez Harrell, um, his ability to score in isolation, and uh, maybe his free throw shooting also. Mm -hmm. And even if you – well, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. I'm going to say, basically, it would be hard to – find a defensive upgrade over Lou that would compare to the offensive uh, downgrade that it would be. Yeah. I mean, I think that particular trade package is interesting. I mean, I think Drew has had a down season, but last year he was like an all NBA level player um, as an overall player, clearly superior to Lou, but I do think Lou players in the NBA. Yeah. But like, I mean, I do think Lou gets stuff out of Montrez that you might not get from literally any other player in the entire NBA. Um, he can create his own shot better than Drew can. And honestly, like, I think he's probably a better passer and playmaker than Drew is. I think, you know, honestly, one of the complaints about Drew for years was that he's not a super traditional point guard. He is also more of like a combo scoring guard. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more pass first than Lou Williams but not necessarily a better passer. Um, and there is a distinction there. Like, Lou is definitely score first. Drew is definitely more of a point guard in that he does move the ball around a lot. But Lou is a really good passer and playmaker, and I honestly don't know if Drew is a better one. Um, Drew, obviously, massive upgrade defensively. Um, you know, would not probably need the ball quite as much, which could be helpful. Um, again, definitely nat- more natural in terms of, like, getting an offense into sets and calming things down. Um, but yeah, and I just, I don't know because the Clippers would have to give up other stuff. Um, I don't know if the Pelicans would do that deal anyway. Uh, Lou's defense is really interesting to me because I was talking about this with Jovan, um, yesterday on Twitter as well as Lucas, but the weird thing is like the Clippers defense has been really good this year and it hasn't been like amazing or like world beating, but they've been like a top 10 defense for most of the year. They've been a top five defense really the first couple games brought them way down. And since then, they've basically been like a top five defense. And so to me, like if you have a top five defense, you don't need to upgrade on defense that much. Like does Lou get targeted? Yes. Is he a bad defender? Yes. But it clearly isn't hurting the overall team that much. Like, could they be a lot better if you swapped him out for Drew Holiday? Of course. But, like, if you have a top five defense, I don't know if, like, perimeter defense, especially because perimeter defense is not nearly as important as wing or big man defense, is really that worth it, like, pursuing that kind of upgrade. So I just don't know how impactful lose bad defense is. Like, well, this is another thing. It's like you see it because it's so obvious when teams target him and it's like, oh, they're targeting Lou. Like, he's been really bad. 
um, you know, they need to do something about this. But then you look and it's like, it looks worse than it is, is basically my point, for lack of a better, you know, term. Um, it, it definitely hurts the team, like, down the stretch of game. Yeah. The, thunders, the Thunder went at him down the stretch. And even when they weren't going at him, him straying off the ball, like, led to open threes. And it was just like, man, if you just stayed home, that's not a three. But they yeah. gave up, like, Schroeder, Schroeder killed them yesterday. Um, not just Lou, but, yeah, there's – the difference between having a top five defense in the regular season with Lou Williams and having a top five defense in the playoffs with Lou Williams is in the playoffs, once everyone knows each other's shit and they start just going at one player and figuring out how to target one player over and over again, having that one immense liability on your defense means way more. The question is whether it means more than having one guy who can't shoot. Yeah, I mean, I also think that, you know, ideally with a fully healthy roster, Lou would be playing less. You know, he should not be playing more than 30 minutes a game. Like, he's in his 30s. He's played a lot of minutes. You know, he is a major defensive liability. He's not a guy who should be relied upon the way the Clippers are relying upon him, which I think is another part of the problem is, like, he's overextended. Um, you know, I think in the playoffs, like if you keep him to like 25 minutes a game, like, yeah, that's still a lot of time for opposing teams to target him. But if you stagger it correctly, have him in more when the opposing bench is in, you have him less to close games out and you run like, you know, a Pat, uh, Kawhi, PG, um, you know, Jamichael Green or Mo Harkless and then Zubats or Trez or whatever. Like, essentially, the starting lineup, except maybe Trez um, or Zoo, I mean, Trez or, or Jamichael Green in at the big man positions, like, I think that's a perfectly good start, like, closing lineup. Like, I don't think you need Lou out there. Now, would you like to have Lou out there for his shooting and playmaking and shot creation? Yeah. But, like, you know, the Clippers do have other options. Like, it's not like they have no other guards or wings who can fulfill that spot. So, I just don't think it's as big an issue. Like, is he a really dreadful defender? Like, yeah, he's really bad. And I think you made a good point, which is that he's actually worse off ball than he is on ball. Like, people see them target him on ball, but it's really the off ball defense and the help defense, which is way worse because he just loses his man all the time and helps too far. Um, Like, again, with Schroeder, where he just let up a couple open threes because he's playing too far off. Um, But, yeah, I mean – I don't know. I'm I'm just not in the this team needs a trade camp yet. Like I think it's early. Um I think that you know there's still things that we need to see from this team fully healthy before we can demand a trade, especially a big one. Um so those are kind of my thoughts on Lou. Like I think it could be an issue, but I don't think it's something that needs to be resolved right now or that needs like a major shift in the lineup um, to clear up. Christmas is coming, Rob. <laughs> the so- holiday that we both celebrate <laughs> <laughs> by watching NBA. Uh, so let's. I'm not going to bother with the other four games on the slate. Uh, they're only one that matters. Um, 
Is there is there another game that matters on the slate? I could not even tell you the other games. Is Bucks Sixers one? Maybe I know Denver, Denver, New Orleans. That's awful. That's atrocious. Uh, um, the Raptors are playing somebody. Is it Raptors Sixers? I think Raptors Sixers Bucks Celtics is in some combination. The other yeah, Bucks Sixers. Yeah. Celtics Raptors. I'm not going to be up at 9 a.m. to watch that game. That'll be a good game, but I don't think it's important. Bucks Sixers. I think that game will be. There's important. no difference between a good game and an important game. <laughs> Uh, Bucks Sixers I think is kind of important for the Sixers. I'll I'll probably watch that game. Um, it's at eleven thirty. Like I'll probably I'll probably wake up, watch it on my computer for fifteen minutes. My laptop will run out of battery. I'll <laughs> get up. I'll begin my morning routine. Watch the third quarter. And then go on Twitter for four hours before starting the game. I do have a tweet scheduled for four fifty nine p.m. right before the Lakers Clippers game starts. What is it? I'm not going to tell you. It's scheduled. <laughs> um, I mean, I think follow me on Twitter. Lakers Clippers is by far the most important game. I don't yeah, think that's it, that's really debatable. Yeah, um, and it's the only game I really care about. So you know, whatever. Um. So we've been talking about how the Lakers are taking it more seriously. Yeah. It is, it is a Laker home game. Yep. Um, Lakers will be favored um, unless LeBron isn't playing, but I assume he will play. And I assume this, that this game is so important to the Lakers that they rested him. Uh, uh, they gave him this, uh, what, what do they call it? A, like lateral. Straight. I think he actually seems injured. Um. There's no think, way he's as injured as Anthony Davis right now. That is true. Um, that I agree with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think LeBron plays. When, has LeBron ever missed a Christmas game? I don't even know. Um, no, he hasn't missed – no, he hasn't missed time yeah. this year, like, until last year. Yeah. When he got hurt on Christmas. Yeah. Um, what do I think about this game? I mean, I think it's interesting because it's something we've touched on before. We've touched on earlier in this pod, really, which is that, like, one of the NBA's issues is that they de-emphasize the regular season. Um, so it's like, yeah, like, the NBA doesn't matter until the playoffs, or the NBA doesn't matter until Christmas. Um, and you have to balance, like, that, which, which is that, obviously, the regular season is important because, one, it determines who makes the playoffs, and, two, because that is the bulk of the NBA – with the simple fact that like one out of 82 games really can't mean all that much, especially in December. Um, so I think there is a fine line there. And will I freak out about the, the game if the Clippers get blown out? Absolutely not. Like Blown out? I will. I, I won't. Um, I mean, I don't think that will happen. But if it does, I, I wouldn't freak out about it. Um, what do you mean freak out? Be like, oh, like they're not on the same level as the Lakers. They're not championship contenders. Like... That kind of stuff. Um, There's other ways you can freak out. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm just thinking, like, overreactions on Twitter. Um, But I do think it's important. Like, I think the Clippers have won some big games this year, but they've also lost against the Bucs twice. Um, They've lost against the Rockets a couple times, once or twice. Um, Twice. You know, know, they haven't always played great against – good teams and i think that um 
you know, a win here would mean a lot for a team that's kind of been scuffling the past couple of weeks. So I do think it's important. And like, I think it's, it matters. And like, I hope the Clippers, you know, come out strong and, and, you know, really go for it. But I, I wouldn't necessarily be overly concerned about the results. Yeah. I think that if nothing else, the approach to this game from both teams has been revealing because the Lakers are not downplaying it. And the Lakers have kind of been upfront about this, that they don't, you know, they don't abide the Clippers' attempt to make a dent into the Laker fan population of the sound or the Laker dominance of the mm-hmm. sound, whatever. Um, and the Clippers have been like, oh, this is any other game, you know, it's one out of 82. It's all the regular season games count the same. They're both feeling the same. Like, both teams care about this game more than they care about the game against Miami Heat. Like, yeah. that's not – they are human beings, and they do play <laughs> in the same city, and they are not friends with each other. I think, like, Montrez Harrell is probably the only guy on the Clippers who's friends with anyone on the Lakers, right? No, I mean, I think Lou and LeBron are tight. Why? I've seen them comment on each other's IG posts before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think Lou is tight with literally everybody. Yeah. As long I'm, as he's not those people who does, like, the arm flexing thing on, like, you know. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know, though. Um, flexing emoji. That's a real – that's a real – That's a real, real bummer. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think – yeah, I mean, I don't think they like each other. I mean, Paul George and LeBron have had a rivalry – like almost a decade now it's like always super fun to watch them play each other going back to that heat um pacer series where like they dabbed each other up when they were hitting like a ton of threes um and um yeah like Kawhi and lebron have obviously played huge playoff series against each other before um watching them go at it is fun lebron Um, is super salty that Kawhi didn't sign with him oh absolutely yeah, I mean, it should be a ton of fun. Like, I'm really excited for it. Like, again, like, am I, am like, am my spiritual well-being going to, like, depend upon this game? No, but, like, it should be, like, a lot of fun. Like, I'm really excited for it, and I think it's important. Um, and it's tough to know what's going to happen. I agree. Like, I think LeBron will play. Until we get news that LeBron will play, it's kind of a little more up in the air. But in terms of the actual game itself, I mean – the Lakers have been the better team thus far this season, I think. Um, but LeBron and AD are banked up, and the rest of their team is not that good. It's literally just those two guys with a help, heaping helping of Danny Green. Caruso. Rest, no, Danny Green hasn't been good this year. His defense is still good. It's been KCP, Caruso. KCP is, KCP is honestly pretty good. Dwight. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Brown, everyone. Metal World Peace. Clarkson. Clarkson got traded today, and Zach Lowe praised the trade. I didn't see that. You see that he got traded? I did see that he got traded. I didn't see the Zach Lowe response. Can you imagine Jordan Clarkson in Utah? The man is going to be in a deep depression. He is going to, he is going to schedule like weekend trips to Vegas from Salt Lake City. Absolutely. Uh, 
But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers are definitely a little bit more keyed up about it. Um, but, like, I think with they'll... Clarkson with his new tattoos. Have you seen his tattoo situation? I have not, nor do I want to. It's gone all the way up his neck now. I have seen the up the neck. Um, I didn't know about, like, the knee thing. Um, but, yeah. No, I... What's yeah. the, the knee thing? You, didn't you say something about the knee? Or did you yeah. say neck? I thought you said knee. Neck, neck, up the neck. Oh, okay. No, no. Um, I yeah, mean, no. I his knee is also tattooed, but, you know. Uh, I, I also think it's hilarious that this is the first trade that happens in, like, six months. It's Jordan Clarkson for Dante Exum. Just, like, the most inconsequential trade imaginable. NBA Twitter is like, oh, there's been a trade. I have to say, this trade has me, like, officially worried about the Jazz. Like, the Jazz have been, have been disappointing this year. Their record isn't that bad. They're, like, 16 and 10 or something like that. But, they're better than that, I think. But, they're, but trading, for, trading for Jordan Clarkson in December, that has me, like, that has me definitely, definitely worried about this team. Jordan Clarkson is never the answer to any question. Right. They're like, 18 and 11. They're not, they're not very good. I mean, I think, I think he is actually an improvement on Dante Exum because Dante Exum is not an NBA player and Jordan Clarkson is an NBA player. But giving up Exum, which again is, is whatever, um, and two seconds for Jordan Clarkson as like, like – Two second round picks is not huge, but like those are legitimate assets, and wasting them on Jordan Clarkson is uh, not great um, when those could be bundled in a bigger trade for a much better player. Um, right, so. but it's just they want it. They want to get that thing done. People were talking about this team as really deep, but it does not go. No, they're not it deep. Does not go below their starting lineup. Like no. their starting lineup is pretty famous, but. I'm looking at their bench now. Moutier, Jeff Green. Oh, Ed, Ed Davis. Davis. People are excited about Ed Davis. George Niang. And Mike Conley has been trash. I mean, that's the real issue. It's just Conley's been bad. It's, and Ingles has been bad. Yeah. But Ingles always starts bad, though. Yeah, he needs to, to just get his, uh, his self worked into shape a little bit. Um, yeah, the Jokic timeline. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not too worried about the Jazz. I never had them. I thought they'd be really good in the regular season, but I didn't have them on like the contender tier because I just don't think they have the top-level talent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the Lakers-Clippers game is big because those are the two best teams in the Western Conference. They're two of the best teams in the NBA. And, like, those games should matter, and those games should be important. Um, do you have a prediction? I think I think the Clippers will win. In terms of actual score, I do not have one. I'll say, I'll, you know what? I'll say one fifteen to one hundred seven. I'll go. Uh... One twelve, one twelve, one oh eight. Lakers. Okay, I mean, I could see it either way. Um, 
I think it'll right. come down in the last two minutes, though. Yeah. Um, actually, really quickly, speaking of Lakers Clippers, before we move on, there was a controversy the other day about uh, the backpacks. Um, yes. And I know you have something you want to say regarding the Clippers and, and their backpacks, so I'll give you the floor. Yeah. Well, every every episode of the show, we disrespect a team or something like that. I, I do not respect the Clippers million backpacks promotion. Here's why. Because it is being branded as charity. I, I think the idea of Kawhi Leonard donating a million backpacks to LA area um, public school students is a wonderful idea. However, it ceases being anything other than marketing material once you put a Clipper logo on that on that uh, backpack, which they have. And I like I, the number of one million backpacks is kind of hard to like think about, you know, in terms of like what that looks like. What it looks like is I was at uh, synagogue services the other day, and a friend of mine was like my daughter came home with a Clippers backpack from like, we do not live like in a like inner city area. Like they gave these backpacks everywhere. Uh, uh-huh. to, it was all over LA, LA County. And I just, I don't like the idea of using kids as like, as like marketing material i mean like the idea is like these kids who didn't have backpacks before are gonna now have backpacks right or they Mm -hmm. had like hand-me-down backpacks and now they have new backpacks but all these kids are going to be walking around with the clipper logo which not a cool logo not a cool (laughs) Um, and uh aside from the aside from the optical uh, of the optics of being like the free backpack, you know, like, oh, you're wearing like the free back, like Clipper backpack is the free backpack. I just don't like the idea of, of using kids as like billboards for your brand. And it's been advertised as this big charitable giving, which initially maybe that, maybe the thought was there, but I just, I can't really see it as anything else because especially because we know the Clippers are trying so hard to get the next generation to be Clippers fans. And it's not new. The angels, you know, give away angels gear and hats and jerseys um, to kids constantly. But just, I think the Clippers don't need to do that, and uh, I don't like to see it, and I don't respect it. I will, I will go as far as you, but I do think I agree to some extent. Like I do think, um, you know, putting the logo on it does diminish it somewhat. Um, but I do think at a certain point, like there's the idea. I know in Judaism, I forget the exact the exact name because I'm not up on my uh, Jewish religious studies. Uh, hopefully my dad has not listened this far in the podcast. Uh, but like, there's the idea that like, you know, giving a gift for the sake of giving a gift 
is not as valuable as when it's, you know, more a more pure motivation. But I think, you know, it is still considered, you know, a good act as long as like the benefit and like the result is there. And like at the end of the day, like they are giving away these backpacks to help kids. And yeah, some of the kids might not really need the backpacks and it might be like kind of a marketing ploy, but it is still, you know, hundreds of thousands of backpacks to kids who might not be able to afford backpacks or afford new backpacks. So like, I think it is like a worthy endeavor. I think it could be done a little classier. And I do think, you know, enrolling like elementary school kids as part of this effective marketing PR program, um, you know, it's maybe not the greatest, but I think in the end of the day, they are helping kids and they are helping families. So I'm, I'm fine with it. The thing I'm going to be disrespecting today is, uh, is Blake Griffin. Uh, because guess, guess what Blake Griffin is shooting from the field so far this year. I just saw he's shooting like 36%. And I traded, I just want to say, the co-host of this podcast, Lewis Keene, traded Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris for Anthony Davis in fantasy about wow. six weeks ago. And Great move. Laughing, laughing. It's one of my trades that did not get vetoed. I've already had, I think, three trades vetoed this year. Now that one wasn't vetoed? That, that one was not vetoed. I also tra- I traded... LaMarcus Aldridge and Kendrick Nunn for Paul George. What? When Paul George was hurt. You're destroying and, this league. What? what? And, it got, and it got vetoed. Oh, it got vetoed. That one, I, that one should get vetoed. That's awful. <laughs> I've also lost trades. I traded Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Hero for DeJounte Murray. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, but anyway. DeJounte Murray, and now that person picked him up. So I just did. I get, but that was the Anthony Davis guy. So okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, but anyway, Blake Griffin, as you mentioned, shooting thirty-seven point three percent from the field, twenty-seven percent from three, only averaging four point four rebounds per game, sixteen points. Uh, he has been legitimately really bad this year. Oh, yeah. Not just bad for Blake Griffin, but just bad. Uh, really, really bad, and. Um, you know, he probably shouldn't be playing. Like, he's just injured. The Pistons stink anyway. Like, he shouldn't be playing. It's pathetic that they're trotting him out there. Um, that trade looks so bad from their angle. Like, even if Tobias Harris isn't really a star, um, like, over the next five years, you'd rather have him than Blake Griffin. And that's not even counting the other stuff they gave up in that trade. Um, and the fact that they're just stuck with Blake's contract for, like, I think another three years? No, two. Oh, two? That's still pretty bad. Already almost over. <laughs> um, yeah, Blake has been really tough this year. Blake, I mean, I wrote like a really big piece about him, I think two and a half, almost three years ago now, which I'm still really proud of, which is, it's one of my favorite pieces I think I've ever written, which is about how Blake Griffin's career has kind of been a disappointment. Um, and that's before the last three years happened, uh, which I'd say have been more disappointing. Um, and he was weirdly wait. He was weirdly like appreciated last year on NBA Reddit for like growing as a three point shooter. Yeah, but I mean, I think last year was really good. But I think even last year, like the transition to being like a really good three point shooter was like a sign that like the athleticism and ability to do like actual Blake Griffin stuff not really there anymore full time. Um, yeah. And this year, like I think he'll be better once he's healthier. 
Um, but like, I mean, I think he's what, like 29, he's 30. And it could be last year could be the last all-star game we see from Blake Griffin. Um, and like, he had a really good career, but um, I think it's kind of been disappointing. Like considering how absolutely breathtaking he was his rookie season, like the things that he could do on the basketball court that so few players have ever been able to do before since probably ever will be able to do. Um, and how great he was in what year was that? His fourth season, that 2013-14 season where he was like an MVP level player. Um, yeah. You know, in his fourth season, he was still young. He was still like 24 years old. The NBA looked like it was his for the taking and it just hasn't been. 2013-2014 was a magical time to be a Clippers Dodgers fan. That, that was when that was my first year in the professional world. My first year after I graduated college, so I had a ton of time to watch sports. And that was the season, like in 2013, the Dodgers went 42 and eight over 50 game stretch. Mm. Right when we it was Puig's rookie year. Yep. And then I remember before the NBA season started, I was like, the only thing I care about this season with the Clippers is I want Blake Griffin to average 25 points a game. If he does, that will be incredible, and I really won't care about anything else. That's basically what happened. He had the best year. I think he averaged like 24 and a half or, or maybe 25. And then it just was phenomenal. And then they, they flamed out in that game five, which I mentioned earlier. But I'm not going to quit on him yet because he's in a terrible situation and he's getting paid a ton of money. That's true. But, like, everyone's talking about the – the Blazers trading for Kevin Love. Tell me, what is the difference between trading for Kevin Love of this year and trading for Blake Griffin, trading for Blake Griffin of last year? And Blake last year is way better than Kevin Love now. Okay. The, the so question, take the average of that Blake Griffin and average of, and and the Blake Griffin of now, which is reasonably, I think, we can expect is what he actually can do as a player. Um, why why would that not be on the table the way that Kevin loves that Kevin Love is? I think it should be. I mean, I think the injuries are concerning, but Kevin Love has had tons of injuries too. Um, I mean, I think Blake is less reliable as a three-point shooter. Last year was kind of his breakout year, but I think, you know, three-point shooting is variable season to season. I mean, I think there is at least decent possibility last year was an outlier for him as an outside shooter, whereas Kevin Love is – you know, historically really excellent three-point shooter for a big man. Um, I think that's a difference. But, I mean, I think last year's Blake Griffin is way better than current Kevin Love. So even if you take the difference, I mean, I'd still say um, Love is probably less variable. You probably know more what you're getting from him. Blake has more upside. Um, and the, the Blazers could use more upside. So I kind of like Blake for them. Um, I still don't think it's going to happen because I don't know what they'd give the Pistons in return. Um, yeah, right now they're trading him at like the rock bottom of his value. Can yeah, you imagine if they had traded him last season at at the peak of his value. That's what they. I mean, that's what. I mean, that's they not what the Clippers escaped, did. But. They could have escaped. Right. They could have escaped like all of the nightmares of the end of his deal that everyone said that the Pistons were going to be saddled with. If the Pistons had been like, "Look, this guy's averaging twenty four. He's yeah. shooting like thirty nine percent from three, and he's completely reinvented himself. He's healthy." Take him off our hands. We'll make a, we'll make you a deal. Ship him to Philadelphia for Tobias Harris, and then 
or 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 to or to Dallas, right? I mean, um, before the Porzingis trade. Before the Porzingis trade, yeah. There's there there isn't a non-market for a Kevin Love-ish player right now. We're talking about Gallinari moving. We're talking about uh, Blake moving. Now we're talking about Kevin Love moving. Um, there's no such thing as an untradeable contract in the NBA. I and, I do agree with that. And Blake Griffin might be on the less tradable end of the spectrum. I, I think anyone could t- look at it, at the numbers and at his contract and tell you that. But you know, there's there's all there's always another team signing a worse contract the next day. And so, then you know, I I would like to see him get into a better situation because you're 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 sort of writing him off as you know the end of his All Star playing career, which may be the case, but he can still really help a team. Uh, and I'd like to see that happen because you're, you're describing his years as a Clipper as a disappointment, his years as a Clipper as a disappointment, but you know, guys go on to have long second and yeah. third lives in the yeah. NBA, even when their initial um, frisson of, of potential wears off. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'd like to see it for him. Like I would. Um, Knicks, baby. The Knicks just lost at home to the Wizards, who had eight players on their roster. <laughs> and Beal had an off game. <laughs> the Knicks are just so embarrassing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's who I'm disrespecting. Not out of any dislike for, uh, for Blake, but uh, just facts are the facts. And uh, Blake has been awful this year, and he's making, like, $40 million. So that's, that's uh, tough. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else uh, you're looking to promote or, or, you know, talk about here? I think we've, we've gone through everything pretty well. Yeah. Um, subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, it's called Unstatable. Last week, uh, I mentioned this briefly, but last week we did a, um, we did a fun, we did a fun post on all the people that Lou Williams has blocked on social media. And my plan was to interview him after the Rockets game and find out how many people are on his Twitter block list. <laughs> but unfortunately, as you may have uh, noticed, he was ejected from that game, uh, which made it less uh, uh, less appealing to go and, and ask him uh, off off the cuff, irrelevant yeah. like that. It's just. Nah, not 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 today. Yeah, hate to see so, that. I'll get to it eventually. Uh, it might be a season long process, but process, but I will keep you updated. That's cool. It's that's definitely an interesting project. Um, as for me, uh, for those who are listening, who are still listening at this point, if so, thank you. Um, if you haven't heard, you probably have heard, but uh, Clips Nation will be undergoing some changes, uh, which is that basically it will kind of cease to be Clips Nation. Um, Vox Media is essentially taking it over um, by the end of March, um, probably earlier, I would guess. Um, and so in response, uh, Lucas and I have started our own website, or at least uh, conceptualized our own website. The website has not officially launched yet. We're hoping to launch it by February 1st. Uh, the name will be 213 Hoops. We have a Patreon. There's a, a post on Clips Nation about it. Um, so yeah, give us money if you'd like to. Um, really at this point, it's mostly just for support. We don't want to put any content behind a paywall. So just however much money, you know, you're willing to give and want to spend. There are some perks for each tier. 
of course, because it is Patreon. They're mostly associated with uh, podcasts. Um, and we could even work some uh, benefits for our own podcast for this podcast in as well. Right now, they're all for the Law Pajam. Um, but we could work in some stuff as well. So if you have anything you'd like to add, uh, let me know. But yeah, that's really about it. Um, content will be not as out there um, until the new site launches because we do have posting restrictions um, from Vox Media. So I will not be able to post um, very much. But yeah, uh, I think that's it for this episode of Same Old Clippers. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, follow Lewis on Twitter at this Lewis. Follow me at Rich Homie Flom. And uh, yeah, check us out. We talking about practice. All right, go, go. Ten, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Ten, five, four, three. I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I can't do it. I mean, how silly is that? We'll do it live. Practice? We'll do it live. Practice? Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Not a, not a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I mean, how silly is that? <laughs> <laughs>